It is time to tune up the band and walk for miles inside this pit of danger, for it is another instalment of the award-nominated Sweet Chidwag Podcast. I am Sam, and joining me through this wacky world of professional wrestling, as ever, is Dan and Reardon. Hello there, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I just, I just gave Dan his space to do that. <laughs> I'm glad one of you did it because, like, because I would have repeated myself, but that I did that in episode three, so I couldn't. I had to come up with something else. <laughs> well, that's right. I'll just, I'll just be here. I'll be here and say because we'll, 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 we'll get our one out of the way early. I, all I had in my head was the fucking new legacy joke where they were talking about Batista's theme playing over a school PA system. <laughs> <laughs> Attention, all students! Burner, burner. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Oh my god! But uh, apart from that, how are you, Jeds? You doing good? How's your week been? It's been all right. It's been yeah. all right. You know, doing our stuff, as running per- around <laughs> as per usual, ready as always for our award nominated podcast. Let's go. Yes. Still selling it. I mean, I'm still putting it over massively. I, I mean, Listen. it'll probably be until at oh, least yeah. July before I start dying it down a bit. <laughs> dying it down? That's when I'll start up. We're just going to do it in like. <laughs> <laughs> It just <laughs> keeps moving from each person. I still need to get that title belt sorted, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so how much do we have in the, the account? Oh, yeah, that's what, one penny. Um, right. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, I think 20 quid. That's <laughs> 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 being generous. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, can we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, pending as ever other platforms now before we get on to this episode which is all about our favorite big lad mr davy boy batista no wait that's pretty that, that that's that's the filipino bulldog no uh, <laughs> it is time to head on over to visit dan for this week's wrestling news dun 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 down I'm Dan, and this is this week's wrestling news. Ooh, a little bit more spice than that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Very yeah, nice. I mean, so obviously we're starting off of our week review, and we're going to Raw. And honestly, the big news for Raw was obviously that Drew McIntyre tested positive. Um, and so it left everyone kind of thinking, well, you know, what's happening? What's the situation? Uh, and all of it being around, well, how 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 can this happen? And what does it mean for them? Hmm. Uh I think I think a more pressing thing that I think some people realise, but maybe some didn't take into obviously it's interesting that he he tested positive after Legends night. <laughs> yes, yes indeed. Um what what surprised me when the news outlets um were reviewing the Raw was this the first time that WWE's actually properly properly acknowledged that COVID yeah. is a thing. Because I thought they did that at WrestleMania, but then I realised, oh no, wait, they they only did like that opening pre. Uh, Stephanie did that opening preamble, and it was like she yeah. was talking about unprecedented times. So and I was like, holy yes. crap, this is the first time they've acknowledged this. Yeah, this is the first time they've openly acknowledged it. Jeez Louise! So the, you know, being the sport as ever, Drew's just Drew was being positive as ever, which again, yeah. 
I, 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 I super appreciate. Um, and still confuses the hell out of me as to why Goldberg will call them out for being disrespectful. But, you know, to each their own, I guess. <laughs> it's not like he was going around for the whole of Legends Night being super respectful to all of the other people. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I think the, the thing with Raw this week is it, it's part of a bigger conversation that a lot of people have been having regarding Raw. Mm. You know, Raw's ratings and, and what's happening on it. Uh, and I think this has brought attention to the fact that Raw sits in a, in a very weird place right now. Mm. You know, yeah. they, you know, every pretty much everyone's now saying that SmackDown is the A show, mm. NXT has become the the pseudo B show, uh, and you know. <clears throat> Raw has now dropped below in the rankings. Um, people, you know, lots of people are going to it and saying, "Well, why am I watching this?" People, other, you know, fans on the outside are looking at people and going, "How do you put yourself through watching Raw?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I'm betting mm. that is much to the ire and anger of Vince because, as we all know, he he massively favors Raw over SmackDown and has done well since SmackDown's yeah. inception. Yeah, has historically it has been that Raw is the A show historically. And so you know, it, it obviously plays into this thing of where where do they go with Raw? Because this this obviously this edition kind of had to be. I'm not saying it had to be done on the fly because if we if uh, if any of the reports we've had about Raw's production and the way it goes around, <laughs> they've been on doing the that fly for is the constant. Things <laughs> are changing constantly from moment to moment. Mm. But obviously, you could tell that this was done with some semblance of we need something. Yeah, <laughs> but um, that not necessarily being a good thing. Yeah, because we had two cases of. Uh, repeated matches or match segment match mm. with the same people in it so we had Keith Lee and Sheamus in a uh, tag team match against Miz and Morrison yep. and then after we cut away we came back to then Keith Lee versus Sheamus one on one and then we had Bobby Lashley versus Matt Riddle segment MVP versus Matt Riddle uh, so you know naturally for a lot of people a lot of people just kind of left wondering well why yeah mm. you know what what's happening here what is the reason behind this happening you know why are they having people doing double duty on matches when it doesn't really make sense uh, so lots of people were very quick to point out the fact that there were multiple people on uh, raw's roster who were just there for the taping mm. but not used yeah. Uh, we know those to be, well, two of the ones we know definitely to be were Ricochet uh, and Oscar. Uh, obviously, the, the pressing one for myself uh, is Oscar because she is the Raw Women's Champion. Yes. So the fact that um, Charlotte and Lacey Evans was being featured, but they felt that there was no space for their for their Women's Champion, you know points in a bad direction for me i mean because what's yeah. more important than oscar the women's champion oh wait it's rick flair being thirsty who has been thirsty for 
as long, if not longer, than we have been alive. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I caught I caught some flack for the for for my comments about that segment. I I don't know why you'd Did get you? flack. I think you would just. I think anyone would be justified in that. Uh, segment. I caught I, I caught I caught flack for that segment because I said it was them rehashing Dawn Marie. Oh, <laughs> ah, yes. I can understand some heat. I'm not saying it. I'm not still. saying. I'm not saying it's exact. I'm not saying it's exactly the same. I'm just hoping. I'm saying it had elements of it, and I don't know that there's a real place for it, especially in regards to Lacey Evans and how they wanted to present her and how she also presents herself outside of the scope of wrestling. Yes, um, I'm just hoping it doesn't end up being one for one like uh, like the whole Dawn Marie thing, and then, it, no, Rick, and then Rick dies from a heart attack at the wedding ceremony. <laughs> yeah, so obviously it's kind of had people thinking, well, where are their where are their priorities? And obviously, you're doing a show about your, without your top champion, and that that's obviously going to present some difficulty. But I don't see why you can't entrust other people to be doing that for you. I mean, to be fair, for a lot of people, the only segment that they really brought to mind was the one with Randy Orton and Alexa Bliss. Yes. And I feel like that was much more just a shock moment than anyone being like, oh, wow, this is developing. Mm-hmm. So, and here was know, me. I, I, and I here was me I, thinking that they bur- they banned the Burning Hammer in WWE, but lo and behold. <laughs> it's okay. The Burning Hammer and Pile Drivers are banned, but literal fire is okay. <laughs> God, this sounds yeah, like Memphis. No, so yeah, it, it, everything's in a weird place, and obviously we're looking towards we're looking towards the rumble, yeah, uh, and what that means. And honestly, I think if anything, as much as all the people I'm looking at to want to win the rumble are on SmackDown, I think they're gonna have to give it to Raw. I mean, if yeah, to, to have any kind of viewership, they need to pull their finger out over at Raw, and hopefully, hopefully they'll do that. Um, that, but that brings up the bigger question of if you're going to give the men's rumble to a Raw superstar, who in the world would you give it to right now? Yeah, that that's the thing. It's who on that who the honestly the only one on that roster I could think that would be worthy having it would be Keith Lee. Yep. Maybe Styles, ow, ow. but right now he's embroiled in God knows what with almost, but. I mean, like, like you could you could easily inject Styles into that. Styles is a, is has so much ability that I Absolutely. think you could put him in that position immediately and it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you'd have any issue adapting to that. No, obviously no, it would be not. it would be it would be incredibly sheer and out of and out of left field. But hmm. you know, I, he's someone that could handle it. In terms of people who are there, I mean, it would have. I mean, realistically, it would have to be, um, Keithley or I guess. Randy Orton, or I mean, maybe, maybe a returning, maybe a returning Bray, possibly. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know if they have the investment behind Bray to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I'll it's... be here. I'll be. I'll be here and say, I know my uh, some of, some of my mates will get at me for this. I'll say, is is Randy Orton winning the Rumble in twenty twenty one a good idea? 
Uh, no, it is not. <laughs> I have to say. Do we have to have any more Randy Orton pointing at the WrestleMania sign? I think we've seen that image far too many times. We also, one year, saw Randy Orton get pissed because the pyro didn't pop off in time of him pointing at the WrestleMania sign. We've seen all facets of Randy <laughs> Orton pointing at the WrestleMania sign. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, it, yeah. You know, it, it, is a, it is a whole list of things that need to be fixed on Raw that they can do and they have the ability to do and as we get onto Smackdown we'll say it's a lot of the stuff they're struggling with is not difficult indeed so TLDR Raw needs fixing everyone (laughs) yeah so let's move over to NXT uh NXT was a bit odd in that it was kind of separated across three shows yes (laughs) uh Maverick and Dane appearing on 205 Live I I assume just because they felt like they couldn't fit it onto the NXT schedule and because 205 Live is basically just an extension of NXT at this point. All I'm saying right now is I bet you Killian Dane was very flattered by the fact he was on 205 Live. Uh... <laughs> Trust me, I saw, I, saw a few, I saw a few choice comments online about it. Oh, gosh. Uh... <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I just took it as it was either them not being able to fit it on the NXT schedule and them just basically saying 205 Live is basically NXT. <laughs> And they've said they're going to be having more Dusty Tag Classic matches on 205. Mm. Hmm. Um, the only other one I can think of is that potentially it was just an idea for driving viewership to 205, but yeah. to watch 205 Live, you have to have the network in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess if people are signing up to the network to watch it, but unless you can watch it without the network, but I don't know that you can. It isn't viewable on BT Sport, that's for sure. Yeah, I know that. Um, <laughs> but still, I mean, Maverick and Dane are fantastic. Uh, hopefully, they do get a, a small push. Um, I hope so. I know they might. They might sit. They might sit tag team mid card for a bit. But I feel like there's a lot of good work that they could be doing. Yes. Um, I know it sounds a little bit silly to be talking about the guys in the same vein, but I would be interested if they did something like, um, uh, maybe for a future war games. Like Maverick and Dane with Brizango versus, say, UE. <laughs> you know what? I'd pay to say that. I don't yeah, know. something like something something like that, or maybe because uh, Brizango still have a continuing thing with Imperium. Mm. Uh, Imperium versus Brizango and Dane and Maverick. Which is such a strange sentence to say when you just say it out loud. What Brizango had a feud with Imperium. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The most hardest of rivals, Brizango. <laughs> but um, no, I think, and uh, at least from the way that um, they've been showing them, and also how they've been showing uh, Brizango in their match against uh, uh, UE, mm. uh, they definitely have uh, stock in them. Yes, that's for sure. Um, but going over to NXT UK, let, let's talk about Volta versus A Kid. Oh, yes, please. Again, This match was fantastic. Again, you know what? I'll, I'll reiterate the sentiments I had in my last episode when I talked about Dragonov versus Volta. I hate that this match happened on NXT UK. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it, it just sucks that A, yeah, it was on NXT UK, and B, it's just a shame that there's not much viewership outside of the UK. <laughs> yeah, great match. Great big guy versus small guy match, and a great a yeah, lot of no, great it was ring played psychology. Out. It, was, it was played out fantastically. You know, 
watching a kid you know you get a real sense that he's actually someone like trying to figure out how how do you beat volta mm. just uh finally I'm, I'm just glad that i'm seeing a wwb match where someone's actually selling you know selling the injured part of their body and in this case volta with his leg I mean, <laughs> to be fair, it's always been one of the things that I've quite said about WWE in, in the recent term. Anyway, <coughs> is that a lot of the time, a lot of the time, they just have lots of unnecessary, long-winded selling <laughs> that just isn't really needed. Mm. So you just end up with like, sec- you, you know, like matches that go on way longer than they need to. Really, yes. Because like, if you <laughs> you watch like two thousand to two thousand like five SmackDown, <laughs> you just get a bunch <laughs> of like. Five minute matches and they're all and like it's just like boom 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 yeah <laughs> uh no but like honestly get it for any for anyone that doesn't pay attention to nxt uk a do it yes because it's fantastic but b you know recognize these these talents look at what they're doing mm. no absolutely and... i know a lot of people uh and rightfully so, I'd say to a, to a point, uh, do dump on NXT UK because it was quite detrimental oh. to the British indie <laughs> scene. There's no doubt there about is, that. There is a lot. Yeah. There is a lot to dump on NXT UK for, absolutely. <laughs> but there, there are shiny. There are diamonds in the rough in that company or in that show for sure, and in the in the UK establishment. Um, I was actually no talking of NXT UK. I was quite happy to see Shah Samuels make his debut. Um, yeah, Shah Samuels well. made his debut. Uh, <laughs> if anyone's not seen Shah Samuels' Twitter when he has a mug of the week, then I highly recommend going back to watch his mug of the week videos. <laughs> um, uh, going back actually as well uh, to that um, Volta A Kid match. I really hope this does kind of like uh, up the profile of the Heritage Cup as well. Absolutely, um, and hopefully, um, we'll see more Heritage Cup British Round Styles match is after that for sure. Um, I think we missed a debut, didn't we, in NXT over in Orlando, didn't we, Dan? Sorry, we missed a debut. Uh, we didn't talk about the certain debut of a tag team over in uh, Orlando. Oh no, 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 no. We ain't got to end got to NXT main yet. <laughs> uh, so let's, let's, let's go. Let's go. Let's go over to NXT main uh, before that gets way more confusing. Uh, when in two weeks' time uh, we'll have the superstar spectacle out of India. Oh gosh, yeah. Oh blimey. <laughs> um, yeah. So the first thing I want to give a, a bunch of praise to NXT for uh, that's obviously missing from. Main roster is just the the focus they're giving their tag teams. Yes, you know, uh, even Ever Rise, who have kind of been shown to be the jobbers of the NXT tag division, you know, basically being relegated to sometimes not even wins on two hundred five live. Mm. Mm. You know, being shown to be credible, giving them time to be built, giving them time on the mic because they've won quite a few people over. Mm. like they are slowly building a small kind of fan base and people who want them to succeed and i'm really impressed by what they're doing yeah and it's something that i feel like has been missed so much 
by main roster. I mean, we're getting to a point on main roster where it's literally just one tag team versus one tag team. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so having, like, this whole, you know, like a structured card for your tag team division is something that I think a lot of fans have felt like is, is missing. Mm. So them giving proper attention to it is, is really fantastic. Um, Shotty Blackheart is the defined NXT women's babyface as well. And rightfully so. Oh. Rightfully so. She fully epitomizes everything that they want in a babyface champion. <clears throat> yeah, it's so nice to see. It's so good to see. I've always been a big fan, even when in her Evolve days. Well, even going back as far as 3-2-1 Battle, I've been a big fan of Shotzi Blackheart. So to see her with, this, with all this success in NXT, it's just like... Thank goodness they knew what they were doing with her. <laughs> or at least Hunter knew what to do yeah. with her. Uh, we had a great moment for uh, for Bala in the segment with um, Pete Dunne and uh, Lorcan and Birch, where mm. basically, there you go, you want to sell your champion as credible, have him fight three people at the same time and not break a sweat. <laughs> How does he do it? <laughs> Stupid sexy you know, I, Bella. I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's a simple thing. Much like when we get to SmackDown, it's a simple thing, but it's super effective. But let's talk about the debut. Oh. Uh, let's talk about uh, these rascals who have come into NXT. Xavier <laughs> uh, MSK, formerly known as the Rascals and Impact. And uh, for anyone who hasn't seen these guys on the independent scene, uh, you should you should you should recognize. You take stock at the moment and see these two and see these two guys. It's a shame that uh, we didn't get uh, Trey Miguel, mm. but if they're focusing on keeping them as a tag team and they're keeping them true to their roots, they'll be fantastic. They suit NXT to a T. Yes, indeed. I was <clears throat> I was wary of how the, how they would get on, uh, considering yeah, kind of I their would, gimmick very impact. Wary. Um, and me figuring, I was thinking, oh, well, I guess they'll probably go to AEW. It seems to kind of be the fit for them, and they'll be able to continue on doing the gimmick that they were doing in Impact. But I'm I'm, I'm really hyped to see uh, to see MSK. Sorry, I'm, I mean, I'm still trying to get used to calling them MSK when I know them as the Rascals. Oh, I know. I, the, the entire time I saw it, and I was like, oh, it's the Rascals. I'm like, here's MSK. And I'm like, nah, they're still the Rascals. Yeah. <laughs> So, no, oh, fantastic debut as well, and I'm calling it. They should. They're going to the finals. I at least I hope they get to the finals. Well, yeah, I, I I've been, I've been looking at the brackets, and I, I don't, I don't think there's stock for them for putting UE there. Mm. It's not, it's not their time. I, I would like to see MSK or the Rascals versus um, Grizzled Young Veterans. That would be such I think that, a. I think. <clears throat> Oh, yeah, I think that's a good play on styles and and how things will work. Um, I think they'd probably go for Grizzled Young Veterans to win. Yes, which but... I don't mind because I have a... no, no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not against mm. that at all. Uh, either MSK um, or GYV would be terrific to win that. Yeah, and then obviously with next week's NXT, we have I believe the start of the Women's Dusty Cup. Ooh, nice. Uh, so that looks. So that uh, looks pretty good. I haven't mm. seen the completed bracket yet, but um, it does look pretty impressive. Nice. 
Uh, moving over to SmackDown, though, and when we're talking about keeping things simple and effective, <laughs> the matches for Nakamura, or the build for Nakamura, and the match for Cesaro are just everything that you need in terms of keeping simplicity. Yes. Yes. It's, it's yes. gone to show, right? If they want to put, if they want to put someone on a build and fast track them, they can do it. It can be done in mm-hmm. two in two weeks. Yeah, they've taken people to be credible contenders. Yes, it's so, so when we're there and we're like, it, when we're there and we're like, it's not a difficult thing. It, it's very clear. It's very clear that it isn't. And and it, and that's the thing. It's never been difficult with those two. It should never have been difficult with those two. You have to actually make it harder for yourself. <laughs> Which they have done for the past, well, few years. Even longer you know, with they, Cesaro. Yeah, like, the, what they've done is they've built these two really well over the last over the last two weeks. Cesaro's picked up a big super... I mean, he picked up a big win against uh, Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. Nakamura's gone strength to strength. Uh, went through the gauntlet match, got the win over Jey Uso, and they gave him a bit of promo time afterwards. Yep. Um, I really do hope that eventually they get rid of this prospect of people doing promos and and things with like native languages and stuff. But that's a separate thing. Mm. Honestly, it's just like if they do it, just put subtitles on. Just make it pre-recorded. We're in a pre-recorded era. <laughs> Literally, just make it pre-recorded. I don't mind even if they get Funaki out and have him be the translator. Actually, no, wait, that's a terrifying prospect. No, 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 because we know how bad his broken English can be. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I would not, I would not. He's still in SmackDown's uh, number one announcer, though. Um, <clears throat> I will be there and say, uh, in that Nakamura versus Jey Uso match, that um, the like rope hung sliding German suplex that he did was fire. Oh, yes. That was some real... That was some... That <coughs> felt like some real New Japan shit. Mm. Yeah, that was fantastic, though. Um, but we got a great dynamic between the two now, where it looks like Na- well, Nakamura's face because he's transitioned to his old theme. Yes, it's the correct choice. Yes. Mm. Um, Cesaro looks like he might be staying heel. So we'll see how that develops. Mm. Um, but I am honestly so invested at this point. SmackDown has been consistently, consistently great. Uh, mm. Note from us: you you've heard it all before. Billy K is amazing. <laughs> He's a treasure. Yes, we all must protect at all costs. I don't care how many men you have to throw at her to protect. <laughs> you will do so. <laughs> like. Gonna... The, the amount of times that she's getting over with people in like the small segments that she has appearing with the Riot Squad, fantastic. <coughs> Absolutely loved it. Uh, just gonna be here and say Corey Graves dropped possibly his best commentary line where, where Michael Cole says, uh, obviously, Natalia refers to herself as the boat. And so he's acting like Corey Graves doesn't know what it means. said, Yeah, I didn't think she was a catamaran, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what happens when you let your commentators have personality. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I caught me off guard of the way you said that. 
Um, yeah, so I'm really interested to see where Billy Kay goes with this. I hope she just kind of keeps staying with them or if she just keeps swinging around between teams and stuff like that, just managing each one a different week. Either one's fantastic. She'll make it work. Um, uh, we had Corbin versus uh, Rey Mysterio. Uh, I wasn't too hot on this. Um, I'll be here and say one of my first things was that uh, I wasn't a huge fan of Dominic Mysterio's outfit. <laughs> Mostly just because it made him look like a child that was wearing like his dad's clothes. But that <laughs> doesn't make sense because his dad's actually smaller than him. <laughs> so if, any, in, 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 if anything, I think Ray would be stealing the clothes off of Dominic. Yes. Yeah. Funny how that works. <laughs> It, it's weird to describe, but it almost looked like he was out of place. But I think they put him on commentary to give him more confidence and mic time. Mm. It wasn't. It wasn't awful. It wasn't awful. I will say Baron Corbin <laughs> hit possibly the best deep six he's ever hit. Yes, but like, still, it, it, it was it was really solid. Um, <laughs> uh, great segment with Adam Pearce and Roman. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love how that you know. progressed through the night as well with the backstage segments involving uh involving Paul Heyman. You so, know, it, it it it's so nice having continuity. I <laughs> in a in a WWE show, it's so nice having that. First, he wants a no disqualification match. Then he changes his mind and wants a last man standing match. And ever the ever the wily veteran Adam Pierce makes sure that Roman signs the contract first, and he goes, "Ah, oh, I was glad you did that," and it hobbles yeah. off, and he goes, "Because oh. it, it's, it's so good that they're using the point of he's a WWE official hmm. that as much as like Roman is within the confines of the show, like Adam Pierce exists on a different platform." Yes. Now, if it was Shane McMahon who was in Adam Pearce's position... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shane McMahon launches himself off the top of the Thunderdome. God damn it. Oh, don't, don't encourage him. <laughs> uh, going over to the uh, Apollo Crews versus Sami Zayn match is fantastic as well. Mm. Um, I think the Sammy's, this build for Sammy or this storyline for him is fan- <clears throat> it's kind of ingenious on WWE's part or SmackDown creative's part because mm-hmm. it allows him to put people over but continue a story. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It still gives him some investment. So I think that works really well for them. Um, shout out to Big E for bringing the sofa, the mini fridge, and having the Ghostbusters cardigan, though. <laughs> <laughs> But that grin, was an inspired choice. The grin on his face <laughs> that whole time. Oh, and, and, and when uh, <coughs> he was with Sami Zayn and then Big E was like, no, you can't call me brother. <laughs> that was cool. I like yes. that. Yes. Um, moving over to AEW, though. Uh, first match I want to talk about is Ty Conti versus Serena D for the NWA women's title. Uh, pretty good match. A, a um, really, really good match. Um, I have to say that Ty Conti has made leaps and bounds and strides in her in ring work. All I'll say is this, man, did you drop the ball NXT on Ty Conti? Oh, I know. It's kind of it's it's crazy. <laughs> um, 
But no, it, it was really good, and I think it just kind of points to the, the bigger conversation around AEW's women's division, mm. um, how they're using them, um, how they can better utilize them for the future. Yeah. I, 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 that's what I just hope. Like, I don't you know. know. I, they're, 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 there's work to be done, but the fact that it was featuring on Dynamite is a small step. Yes. <clears throat> and I think I think that there's... I think there's more that this can, this can kind of show. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about Park versus Eddie Kingston now. Yes, this match, please, fantastic, fantastic TV match. Oh, does months. everything that they does everything that they needed to do. Months of build for this, and it it it, it oh man, it was a, such a good grudge match, one of my favorite grudge matches for sure. Um, and certainly up there with one of my favourites of, of 2021 so far. Yeah, I'm yeah. just thinking they probably worked, they probably worked together at some point in PWG, didn't they? I, if memory serves me correct, I think they've made that they, once or twice. Yeah, like once or twice. But I'm but like I say, it's just being the, the the essence of they they've worked together before. I know that. Mm. A way to put over. Um, Pack as a genuine contender, a genuine you know fighter and contender. I think that's always been one of Kingston's strongest suits is being able to make his opponent look tremendous in that ring, but not him, but himself not look weak. Uh, look, because he make always yeah. makes matches look like an absolute fight to the death. Yeah, I think I think the biggest the biggest <clears throat> thing I've gotten from it is it's like. I can't think. The, I can't think of a way to describe it. I, Eddie sells like Eddie almost sells like a face. Yes, but you still want him to lose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it, it it's it's a fine line, mm. but it's like the the amount that he puts into his selling is like it really sells the intensity of everything. But like you still have this thing of like no, yeah, I I still want him to lose. I still. I'm still against him. <laughs> mm. But no, it was honestly fantastic. A small note from myself. I've, I've spoken about this before. Um, uh, I love Park's like small motion kickouts. Yes. Like just lifting the shoulder off the mat mm. or things like it's a small detail, but I think it's miss. I think it's missing from a lot of people. Yes. I mostly only ever see it in New Japan. <laughs> That's what years of being in Dragon Gate will do for you. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, looks like we're probably going to be getting a build for Miro versus uh, Orange Cassidy or maybe Trent. But I think it's probably going to be Orange Cassidy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in this. I think I think it could be... It, you know, it can work. I think these. I think this is a rivalry I've been very much looking forward to ever since Miro debuted. Um, I don't know if if I'm the only one that's that that can see it, but I can genuinely see he's having fun again wrestling. Well, yeah, I think that that's part of the the the, the conversation that you know is around this because a lot of people are coming to it and saying like, oh, well, he's you know he's he's in the mid card he's in he's in the lower card but like honestly i think the bigger thing is that he is just enjoying what he's doing now yeah and that's far more my vein of thinking it's the more important thing for him to get his kind of his mojo back is to make sure yeah. that first and foremost he's enjoying being in the ring again and yeah. uh, 
uh, you know, no knocking on Chuck Taylor in this match as well. There, oh man, there's a reason why people consider him such a legend. Um, he put on such a good match with Miro in this one. So yeah. I don't want anyone taking away from uh, or, or kind of undermine Chuck Taylor's work. Um, God, he's so good. <laughs> he is so good. There's a reason he was PWG champion yeah. <laughs> after Ricochet. Uh, moving over though to the um, well, the last matches and se- the last matches and segments for AEW, um, we had the what, the band versus it was the Redacted uh, Club. Yeah, <laughs> the Blank Club. <laughs> uh, yeah, versus the Vasty Blondes and Danny Limelight. Uh, just want to say Danny Limelight didn't get much offense in here, but the guy is fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I again, this segment or this match has drawn a lot of love from people and a lot of kind of, I'm not sorry, distaste, but indifference, I think is better to say. Yeah. Um, and I know for myself, I may be more on the indifferent side. No, same. Uh, I know, and because, like, again, a lot of people said to me, like, oh, you're just ragging on Kenny, or, you know, you're just ragging on his style, or whatever. And I, I don't really think that I am. I absolutely respect what he does. Yeah. Um, You know, and, and his way of doing things. I know that in, in terms of being a heel, he's coming in it from a very different lens. Yes. Um, But... I, I can't think I can't think of a way to describe it really. I guess I want to say it as it's like it's like a music artist that just continually runs off one album. Mm. You know, you can only get so far playing one song. True. And what and you know, I have I have no issues with like referencing stuff. I have no issues with callbacks. But when everything you do feels like a callback, I feel like it starts to lose its impact. No it just kind of start. It, it just kind of starts to feel like, oh, hey, remember this sort of thing I did? Yeah, I, it it loses it. I don't know. I think it was about week. Um, yeah, week two. That for me, it started to lose its it lose its shine quite a bit because it seemed to be like callback after callback after callback after callback. Because like I have no issue with the good brothers appearing. Hmm. You know when, when they're appearing and it's just like, oh, they're there and they do the too sweet and it's like, ah, I remember when we used to be together in New Japan. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. I, and, you know, and like when they, when they were there and it felt like they didn't even address the fact that they were actually Impact Tag Champs. Yeah, it was much more in service of the fact <clears throat> of oh, Bullet Club, <laughs> but not for legal reasons. They are the elite. <laughs> I feel like the young bucks at this point have just become like, "Hey, we do stuff because Kenny says to." <laughs> oh, don't tell me that they've become Kenny's B words. Y- you know. Mm, dang it. Um, but and then, but then, like afterwards, though, the bit I was really interested in was Mox and the Lucha Brothers. Yeah, yeah, that like... looked super interesting. The idea of Moxley and fucking Penta is like. All right, so someone's possibly going to die. <laughs> someone's getting a pile driver for either one of them. 
Someone's gonna get fucking pile driver through like three chairs stacked together. I mean, that's not a bad idea. It isn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but like I, I, I think there's, I think there's still room for this story to go to, and I'm, I'm, I am still invested in it. Yeah, I mean, despite <clears throat> like me kind of losing my kind of. Um... My my interest in the kind of like the callback after callback stuff. I'm still invested. I'm just I'm just hoping that they they because I know it's. It, it, I mean they already are now in an over reliance of it. But I just hope they just. What's the word or what's the saying? Jump the shark on it. Yeah, I hope they don't do that. <laughs> <clears throat> still though, just lastly, uh, going over to Impact. Uh, we now know that it is Rich Swan, Moose, and Chris Sabin uh, versus Omega and the Good Brothers at Hard to Kill, which is happening <clears throat> uh, today, as of the recording on Saturday. I'm <clears throat> looking for that. That see, all of that being said, I'm looking forward to that match. I'm really. I am looking forward, forward to, to the match, but I'm worried that the finish might be a bit, you uh, know, screwy. <laughs> Trust me, I have that same worry. <laughs> As well, as I think, I feel, like it's, gonna, the... I feel like it's going to be a pretty simplistic conclusion. Yeah, uh, but you know, I, I still hold out hope. To be fair, the match from that that I'm really looking forward to is the Sammy Callahan versus Eddie Edwards Bob Wire match. Mm. Looking forward to that. Yes, uh, <clears throat> but then just we have to go over to the last bits of news. Uh, we now know that there is a sitcom about the life of a young Dwayne Johnson in production. Wait a, a sitcom. minute! I thought that was that '70s show when he played his when he played his dad. <laughs> no, there is a sitcom in production called Young Rock. Hmm. This has been reported by Fight for all of these have, uh, which is now currently in either pre or current production. Is it being produced by his own production company by any chance? You know what? I don't actually remember seeing that in the report, but I, I can imagine it might possibly be. I mean, that would make the most sense, surely right? Comp- yeah, surely his company's got a toe or something um, there. We now know that Elimination Chamber is now set for February 21st. Ooh. All right. So a little bit a little bit ahead in time. Mm, because it's usually March, around March time, isn't it? Well, yep. yeah, if it weren't, if because if, sometimes... Mania falls in late March as well, and oh, did, uh, the calendar's weird in the road to WrestleMania sometimes. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I all I saw was I was like, oh, it's been moved ahead. Are we going to get like two February pay per views? Who knows? They're bringing back uh, great balls of fire. Please, <laughs> well, actually, no. To be fair, the pay per view itself wasn't that bad. It was just the name. Uh, and just finally. Uh, Following a Twitter thread and uh, interview slash release by Malcolm Bivens, Malcolm Bivens has confirmed that he has never simped in his life. <laughs> Officially that's, on that's, record. That is that is important news. Like right, like and this is reason one hundred and fifty-seven as to why I think Malcolm Bivens is probably the greatest manager since Bobby Heenan. Dude, Malcolm Bivens has been popping off on Twitter recently. <laughs> really? Has. He's been putting in work for 2021. <laughs> and I, I love still, to see it. 
with that, though, we are done with the news. Ooh, very nice. Okay, so, as ever, we are affiliated with Super Kicks and with Gaijin Worldwide and Graps Apparel. As ever, our codes for our code for Super Kicks for free shipping. Shipping? Shipping? Simping? I almost said free simping. <laughs> Malcolm Bivens, don't whatever help me. You guys want to, whatever you guys want to do on your own time is none of our business. <laughs> for free. Excuse me, I am a paid simp. <laughs> that is true. We are great simps for Super Kicks, aren't we? We, we really are. We really are. Get yeah, they, they, they put out amazing merch, just like Graps and Gaijin Worldwide. They do. They do. Indeed. Which they you should do. buy. You definitely mm. should. Chinwag for free international shipping with Super Kicks and Sweet Chin for 10% on your order for both Gaijin and Graps Apparel. But with all that and my questionable Freudian slip of simping, um, <laughs> it is time to move on to our main segment, the Batista Retrospective. Just in time for Dave's birthday. Happy birthday, Dave. We hope you had a good day. It's almost like we planned it. (laughs) It's almost like we planned it. Yes, indeed. All right. So, in this episode, like we we usually do with these retrospectives, we give a short... Well, I say short. uh, We give a little bio of the early life and the career and then talk about our favourite moments slash matches of Batista. This one's going to be really interesting because... Dave is such an interesting, not only wrestler, but just person in general. He's had such a varied life um, and mm. a career that it really, I'm just, I'm glad we've got to Batista. And also, I don't care what anyone says, and I know he doesn't have the greatest of ratings on Cage Match, but he's my, he, he is one of my faves. He is a good powerhouse wrestler. He's the best powerhouse wrestler I think WWE has had in a very long time. Dude, as, as, I, as I said to my friends uh, <laughs> last night, so last night I was re-watching some Batista matches, obviously, to prepare. Uh, and also just because I was like, I haven't even watched some Batista matches, but that's a separate point. Um, <laughs> Batista in 2005 hit different. Yeah. Like, he was on a different level. <laughs> and when, you're, like, when we're there and we say he was probably one of the best powerhouse big men i i honestly think he's so definitely in that conversation yeah. he really is for me like and i i think i've said it before but i just want to reiterate the greatest modern rival to the undertaker that we've that we yes. ever got shout out wrestlemania 23 absolutely like, oh trust me let's talk about that more <laughs> yeah like like that's what i'm kind of think the most about with him hitting different one of the few people who I'm like, actually, the Undertakers might be a bit of an underdog with. <laughs> oh, and, and, a, and a guy that I found when he like left, I found myself missing a lot more than I expected. I mean, the thing, the thing that I can say is that f- for me, in like 2003 to 2005, mm. SmackDown was basically like, two people to me and those were and those were Rey Mysterio and Batista when I, yeah, when I was a kid yeah. obviously when I came back yeah. later I was like yeah there's much there's much, there's much more to it but like Batista at that time just was one of the most important people for, for all the right reasons yeah mm. absolutely so as we like to do with these things let's go right back to the beginning I'm not going to say which is always a good place to start dang it I already did uh, <laughs> born in January of 1969 in the Washington, D.C. suburb of Arlington, Virginia, 
the son of, uh, the son of a Greek mother and a Filipino father. He grew up, uh, David Michael Batista Jr. grew up in poverty. He was not a very well-off person. And um, by the age of kind of um, 13, he was uh, in doing small little bits of crimes here and there. He was stealing cars. By 17, he was estranged from his parents. And um, ended up bouncing here and there in certain jobs. He was not only like get trying to get out of that of that life which probably would have led him down a road that uh, probably would never have made him become a wrestler um ended up becoming a nightclub bouncer shortly before becoming a, a bodybuilder um which which he said saved his life becoming a a, a um a power builder a bodybuilder i should say not power builder um i'm thinking a powerhouse <laughs> so he said he wanted to turn his life... A moment for him was when he was in his late 20s, around 98, 99. Uh, he said he wanted to turn his life around to become a pro wrestler. Um, after feeling ashamed about having to ask a co-worker to borrow money so he could buy his children Christmas presents. And so in 1999, and he would, it would have been about 28, 29, he went to... Uh, tried out, I should say, at the WCW power plant. But was told by oh, head wow. trainer Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, who have you, who, who if you have not seen, you definitely would have known him by the Louis Ferru documentary that he did on WCW. Yeah. Um. He was told that he would never make it by him. Like straight up, he said, "You're you're untalented. You're not going to even make it in this business." And so he decided to try his luck in Stamford. Uh, he went to try. Right, you said that was two thousand one, right? No, nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine. Nineteen ninety nine. To be honest, I don't. I don't even know if that would have been the right call for WCW. Yeah, true. Mm. I they mean, they probably could have done with someone like Batista. <laughs> and think about it: a company like that. I bet you a lot of that probably would have to have done with his age. But then that would make yeah. WCW hypocrites because they trained diamond dallas page when he was 32 indeed yeah. that's weird that's that's an odd yeah. one <laughs> but uh no uh he, as i said he went to stanford uh, to titan towers to ask if he would come if he would be uh if he would be offered a, a deal with wwf they advised him to train with Uffa and hawaii of the wild samoans in his training school so where he would end up competing in Affa's own promotion, WXW. Not to be confused with the German Yeah, with the, with the w German one. XW. He debuted in October 30th, 1999 as, guess what, Reardon? What? Gone! <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> he ended Excellent. up facing Southtown Joe, not to be confused with Samoa Joe, uh, <laughs> in his very first match. Not much is known about this match other than he actually won his debut match, believe it or not. Huh. Impressive. So in this time, he also kind of trained in other forms of combat. He also trained a little bit in Muay Thai. And as, of course, we all know, later down the line, he would end up training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, under Cesar Gracie. I think it might have been. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think probably. So, fast forward to 2000. He's been wrestling in WXW here and there, and also uh, still training under Arthur when he is offered a contract by WWF to work in 
in its developmental territory, OVW, where he debuts as Leviathan, a mountain of a man wearing contact lens, like tiger eye contact lenses and a giant chunky chain around his neck. Yeah, I've seen, the, I've seen the release pictures from that time. <laughs> it's it was a it's it's a really weird time as well because this would have made Batista. I think he debuted in WWE thirty two at this time, so a lot of people were still saying he was way too old to be in uh, to to be starting out wrestling. Yeah, but uh, he ended up becoming part of a stable known as of known as sorry the Disciples of Sin. He would end up winning yeah. the OVW Heavyweight Championship from Doug Basham, believe it or not. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> Before eventually, I need to I need to, look, I need to look back into OVW at like the early two thousands because I, as much as I've heard from people, I, I need to look into it more. It's 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 really interesting considering I've been looking back as well at some of the uh, house shows and dark matches he would occasionally do for WWF mm. or WWE at the time. He was having dark matches against uh, Randy Orton, Nick Dinsmore, Shelton Benjamin. And in how in dark matches and house shows, he would actually end up tagging with Brock Lesnar. Fascinating. It's weird how, because those two, completely separate from each other in OVW. Of course, Lesnar was part of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew with Shelton Benjamin, and Leviathan was with um, the Disciples of Sin. Um, Really weird, like... I guess, I guess you know, like, my my natural assumption would be Vince saw the pair of them and decided to pair them together. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. Actually, I I know... LG Fridges and was like, yes. Yes, no, I get that. The, a quick question, actually, um, Sam, because yeah. I, I actually honestly cannot remember. Did those two ever have, like, any kind of, like, even, like, medium-level feuds, Brock Lesnar and Batista? Because that sounds like a... Honestly, I don't think they ever crossed paths when they hit the main roster together, even though they were both on the same show uh, in 2002. Yeah. That's I don't, really I don't, weird. I don't think that they would have, though, because I think this would... I mean, I'm just thinking about when they would have both been really, really hot. But mm. and I'm thinking, like, well... But when Batista was hot as a face, he was still with Rey Mysterio. True. Yes. And then when he was hot as, and when he was a hot as a heel, I don't think Brock Lesnar was even there. Hmm. Indeed. No, yeah, that is very true. <laughs> that is true. And as we as we as we all know, WWE hates the concept of booking face v face or or heel v heel. <laughs> they refuse to do it for some bizarre reason. But Vince. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, he would hold on to the OVW heavyweight title for a couple of months before losing it to prototype John Cena. Just uh, not, not prototype John Cena, 1.0 John Cena. Wow, man. <laughs> uh, and that was a few months later, and a few months after that, he would leave OVW uh, to be uh, heading off to the main roster. And this is where we got our first television appearance of Batista as Reverend Devon's uh, lackey or muscle. Um, if anyone remembers. 
uh, Reverend Devon when the Dudley split up. Uh, it's basically what it says on the tin. Uh, Devon became a, a, a preacher, basically. <laughs> Talking about the because... ills of the world, and if anyone played SmackDown, shut your mouth, you'd have to constantly fund his... Uh, <laughs> his church. <laughs> his monetary fund for his church with Vince McMahon, and how many times... I had to see that when I played Shut Your Mouth and how many times New Legacy had to see that when they played Shut Your Mouth. Did it ever do anything? I never, never no, knew. No, it did nothing. It just constantly repeated. You just gave, you just gave Devon money. Basically. And then if you didn't ask him for money, if you did sit and refuse, he'd come back the next week and pressure you to, to, to give you the money and then double the... I don't know. Smackdown Shut Your Mouth, man. That is a trip of a, of a game. But yes, um... Batista would debut as Deacon Batista, carrying a money box for people to donate to the church around his neck, wearing a cut-off sleeve suit, uh, meaning the blazer, the, the shirt and tie. Um, yeah, had no sleeves. And was the silent enforcer. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, to be to, in, in all in all respect, as much as this was a silly thing, and Reverend Devon was a silly thing, I can't lie. That if you're going to have someone that was like silent muscle, having Batista who's like six foot six, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He's with fun. shoulder muscles the sizes of skulls, yeah, like... yes, oh god, yeah. Um, he'd end up having his first proper physical interaction, believe it or not against uh, uh well with triple h because uh, there was a yeah. match with reverend d1 mm-hmm. versus triple h and that was the first time we saw him get kind of physical and clobber someone over the head funny how that works out isn't it how that comes yeah, full no. circle yeah. <laughs> um and then and then soon enough he ended up kind of going out on his own and then ended up ha- um having a small little rivalry with d1 on smackdown and then in around um 2003 he was moved over to the Raw brand, uh, and his first match was against Just Incredible in an in about a oh, three minute wow. squash. <clears throat> so, oh, so, yeah. so this was the time where Batista officially walked alone. Correct. Was, yes, but he didn't. It was the Jim Johnston version, so it wasn't the one. Yeah, that it was the. It was yet. the. Um, yeah, it was the. It was the original version of the theme. So mm. this leads us calmly in. I, I believe it was actually just called the animal. It was, yeah, I believe it was. Yes, yes, it would have been. Um, this leads us in to evolution. Uh, so around, it is a mystery. <laughs> full of changes, no one can see. In two thousand and three, I mean, we've talked about evolution quite a bit, especially in the Triple H yeah. episode, which we always <laughs> love to call back to. For some for some reason, it always comes back. I mean, to we one. said we might do we might do a separate episode about evolution, but honestly, yeah. for like, the amount of times that we'll speak about them separately, when yeah. we do it, it'll be like okay, reference this episode, but we, we might do it. We might do it. Um, two thousand three, yeah, it sees Batista join up with Triple H, Ric Flair, and Randy Orton to form Evolution. Fun fact, now, as I've always said. I was gonna say, is it, it was he was he the person that was meant to be swapped out for someone else? Yes, because originally it was supposed to be Mark Gindrak um, in Batista's position. I could um, never remember if it was Randy Orton or if it was Batista. It was meant to be swapped with Mark Gindrak. No, it was meant to be uh, Batista because I believe it was actually more. 
it was Triple H who definitely was pushing to have Batista in that role. But Vince was the one sense. that was constantly trying to push Mark Jindrak into that um, position. I'm just trying to think, though. Why would he want Mark Jindrak? I guess he was seeing how like mass, like big McLarge was. He is a tall oh, guy, yeah. and he has got like, I mean, he has shoulders as big as freaking skulls. Oh, he looks like when he was. If you've seen the promos that they filmed um, of Evolution, uh, where they actually had Jindrak um, walking with them as well, you'd see when they had the shot where they come over the horizon, Jindrak's looking like he's wearing the Legion of Doom shoulder pads. So I can see kind of in the way right. of Vince's mindset of he does like big boys. Well, yeah, we know that already. So it even blows my mind that he wouldn't want Batista because he fits that mould yeah. perfectly as well. <laughs> Batista's like 6'6 six, six and built like a truck. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so of course you know where we go from here is is pretty kind of like a path of the course. He ended up having quite a successful tag team with Ric Flair, multiple reigns with the tag team titles, yeah. Um, and and yeah, I mean we we'll talk about as you said we may talk about Evolution in the future, so I'll keep it short and sweet. But those guys were on top of Raw for quite a long time, mm-hmm. and so begins. Uh, Batista's ascent to the main event in 2004-2005 of course when they absolutely uh, killed Randy Orton's singles uh, main event yeah. <laughs> push, they decided that they had to repeat it and correct that error by putting Batista in there which I mean I'm not to knock on Batista um, for that but um, I wouldn't say that that was a replacement thing because it looked like he was getting more and more popular as the as as time was coming on, especially late two thousand and four. Um, oh no, absolutely! So I guess the, the 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 writing was on the wall for it to happen. Now I know a lot of people online um, do like to talk about maybe he was pushed to the moon a bit too quick, um, but I don't know. I mean, you know, I think this is the like one of those very rare occurrences where they were kind of what uh reading what the crowd was uh was was doing no, no, I, don't, I don't i don't i don't think that they were they were pushing him to the moon too quickly at all no i i mean i i don't think they did um not as much as like certain other wrestlers that they've done uh in in past and in the future um <laughs> i mean i think i think i think the bigger thing about it though is that even if he was you know arguably pushed to the I mean, I, I don't ever particularly remember it feeling overly forced. No, no, I don't think it was at all. I mean, maybe I'm just looking back on it with like rosy eyes, but but yeah, you know, I don't I don't remember it. I don't remember it being uh, I don't remember it being a particularly forced thing. I kind of remember it as having kind of a logical reason. Mm. I mean, to be fair, the bigger point is though, obviously he was in evolution and Triple H was being fucking. <laughs> exactly. held on golden was being put on golden stairs exactly exactly of course we golden escalator mm. oh god yeah blimey so it's... i feel like if he's if he's by virtue of him being near him he kind of has to exist in that same space exactly exactly um of course we've talked about wrestlemania 21 that great match and the build-up i think that was a great that was the turning point for for batista's popularity i oh, think yeah. that that segment i still think about all the, when we're talking about Batista, you've got to think of that thumbs up, thumbs down segment. Oh, no, but don't forget that. That helped, so that helped become his signature thing. Yeah. Mm. So good. I just think the, the, the character work of all three of, uh, of Flair, H, and Batista was so good and just oh, such a good thing. And of course, we talk about that. It was a great main event, right? I'll say yeah. that. 
I think it was so, a great main event. It put Batista over as this unstoppable force that could even take down the likes of Triple H, believe it or not. Um, yeah. And as Meltzer described it of that match, it was the peak of one of the company's best storylines in years. He doesn't say oh, that lightly most of the time, Meltzer. <laughs> so to give it that to Batista versus Triple H was something. Mm. And so begins the World Heavyweight Championship run of Batista. He would go then eventually move on to SmackDown in the draft lottery and then end up having great rivalries with... Well, we're going to get into that. Um, as before, we get we, before, we, before we do it, can I just say how that belt looked utterly made for Batista? Oh, oh, Big yeah. Gold looks so perfect on Batista. It's, it's almost impossible how much it drips on him. Like, yeah, no, it, it is honestly perfect. Honestly, like there are a lot of people that look damn good with with big gold but i honestly think he looked the absolute Dude, but best can we can we can we say there was another side note right <laughs> batista's entrance with the big gold oh yeah yes look that hits different <laughs> i know people joke about his machine gun entrance but come on it's hype as all no, hell but especially like, they won't like i like uh, like a lot of things in wrestling it should be utterly silly and it is but does it does it not be hype as hell did i no, not like, do it, it? like like i understand that out, outside the context it looks silly as hell but mm. also right i kind of just i kind of just love it because it's the whole thing of him doing like the machine gun while the pyre is going off behind him yes yeah like it all just kind of works together hell yes <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, we can get at this point now to talk about what are your, some of your favourite moments, matches, or favourite, yeah, moments, rivalries and matches with Batista. Can I can I start off with my favourite match? Because ever since this topic came up, I've wanted to talk about it. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Batista versus Triple H, Vengeance 2005. Yes. Oh, yeah. This is arguably the... I wouldn't say it's definitively the best match in Batista's career, but this is almost definitely one of my favourite Batista matches. Mm. This match is amazing. What? Can I just say, right, mm. Batista in 2005 was over to a level I've seen very few people. Yeah. Especially for a, for a big Hoss, big McLeod yeah. that Vince likes, or Vince yeah. pines for. Because the, the thing about that match is, right, when I initially went back and was watching it, the amount of the crowd were behind him, I was thinking like, oh, so this was probably in like Virginia or DC. The match mm. is in Las Vegas. Yeah. Wow. This... And the crowd literally would be willing to see him put Triple H in the hospital and be happy about it. <laughs> like they, he is, he is so over in that match. It is, it is crazy. Yeah. Oh no, that is. I'm glad you brought that one up because I yeah, that is that is a good match. That was a, a fantastic no, it, it, match it to legitimise. Uh, it is one of reign. the one of the best Hell in a Cell matches. Mm. Mm. It oh. is absolutely fantastic. It is an absolute brutal war. There's loads of really really good moments in it. Batista has a really hot start. Um, and the the entire time of it is just showing that he is equal 
or better than Triple H, which is obviously what you needed to do to get someone over at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was, and for him as well, in the context, it was a really big defense for him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was something he definitely needed. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, and there's there's just so many there's just so many uh, you know great spots in that match. Mm. Them trading mm. spine busters on the steel steps in the oh, ring. Oh yeah, yeah. Action! Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, you know, actually, I'm going to let you finish, but I will talk about that in a second. Actually, um, yeah. So there's them trading the spine busters on the steel steps in the ring. There's him hitting. Uh, so him hitting the Batista bomb while Triple H is trying to hit him with the sledgehammer. Yeah. Mm. Uh giving Triple H the back body drop onto the barbed wire chair. Oof. Yes. Love that. Um and then also also for also for, for my personal one of my personal favorite ones, uh him just lawn darting Triple H into the cage. Oh <laughs> yes, that spot. Oh, that spot's vicious. Yeah. Like it it's it's such a simple one, but like just to see him just manhandle Triple H and just <laughs> pick him up like a child and toss him. <laughs> just at that time I don't think it's a thing a lot of people would have been expecting. You know what? No. Thinking about it, I feel like Batista at that time was the only wrestler who whose moves looked exactly like the way Ukes animated them in Here Comes the Pain. Yes, actually. <laughs> I mean, because no, it, 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 it's, it's like a really, it's like, it's like a really small thing. But one of the things I always loved about Batista is the kind of, it is his motions. Yes. Because I always thought one of my favorite things about Batista, you know when he does the spine buster? Yeah. yeah. And he used to stand up right out of there. He j- yeah, yeah. Boom, he pops right like back he up. Literally just, he literally just put them down and immediately stand right up. And I just go, yo. <laughs> yeah, I will say, mm. I, have my, I have my own tiny statement about the Batista bomb. <laughs> which is yeah. i never i never knew he got so much snap on it and i never knew why he just put them in the pin straight away and why he used to go into the single leg cover but that's just mm. me that's me thinking yeah. too logically about wrestling yeah that is actually a question i always <laughs> always always confused me because like, he why doesn't it... he just pin in the sit out but like but, yeah but like you know what i i can i can choose to live with it because it's batista yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, he has like, his it's... reason it's not even. It's not like a criticism, merely a question. Yeah. <laughs> um. No, I, th- that's what I've always liked about Batista. That he had he for a big guy. He had such a snap to the to his moves mm. that was unlike anyone else. That made you go, "Ooh, that looked like it bloody hurt." Yeah, the snap on the yeah. Batista bomb is again. It, it goes different. It really does. Uh, if I may, like go for my bit. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's a strange thing. I was like, to, to explain something about me, ever since I was a child, there is one piece of the ring that I have always loved and I'm always disappointed if people don't use, right? It's such a silly little thing, <laughs> but it's always something that I'm always on the lookout for. And if it doesn't work, I'm always... I'm always disappointed gravely. And that is the use of the steel steps. Yes. And Batista, from my recollection, might be, if not, if not the one of, if not the greatest 
users of the steel steps in WWE history. Mm. Because every single time he used that, it was pain and money. Yes, yes. I, I, I'm still. I'm just flashing back to the 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 fud it would make when he would spine buster someone on a, on the I, steps. My big moment because I am a Batista Undertaker simp. To be blunt, <laughs> to, to be blunt, is the moment as a build up. Not even in the match. I don't think as a build up. Batista bombed The Undertaker straight onto the steel steps. Yes. And it is one of the single most painful things I've ever seen. Because well, the <laughs> one I remember is, I can't remember what match it was in. Um, I want to say it might have been against The Undertaker, but I don't think it was. But it was where he back body dropped someone onto the steel steps. And yeah. It, yeah. it was one of the most viscerally painful <laughs> moves I think I've ever seen. <laughs> it's just... I, it's a combination of it, like, he's almost like, to be controversial, he's almost how I wish Brock Lesnar would always wrestle. <laughs> I mean, modern day Brock Lesnar. Yeah, modern yeah. day Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah, I know it Just, could be. Because the man moves eerily quick. Just eerily. But, and if I'm thinking correctly, he did do a bit of... um. He did do some American football, if I'm thinking correctly. Did he? I could have sworn, sworn Batista, like, he was never, like, I could have sworn he wasn't professional, but he did do some. No, he I, might have done, like, I don't know that he might have done college football. Please, like, please, um, people listen. Have a look it up. Yeah, everyone, please, yeah, to like, everyone, yeah, to anyone who listens to this, please do at us about that. I'm not yeah. entirely sure. I know because, of course, no, we all know Brock did the NFL fall of about two weeks before he was cut, but I'm yeah. not so sure about Batista. I could have sworn uh, he did some. I may be wrong there. <laughs> um, uh, there are no references to NFL in his uh, Wikipedia profile. <laughs> wow, well, have hey, a look. that is fascinating. I um, might be wrong then. You know what? All of that talk makes me realise is that I know we'll probably end up talking about dream matches. Actually, no, I'll save that for a little segment about dream matches for Batista. Um, mm. But no, if I was talking about favourite moments, um, I can't pinpoint one in particular, but I think what one thing that definitely is underappreciated is his promo work. I was actually going to talk about that and I'm just going to be blunt. Is he good at promos or not? <laughs> because I'm I think not a lot sure. of it has to do, especially around that time, is that of course he he's very well known for having stage fright, um, and that's mm. why Batista wore sunglasses when he was cutting promos because that was felt that was kind of like a barrier to walk between him and the crowd. Um, he wasn't he, he he wasn't bad, but he definitely improved as time went on, and I think yeah. one of my favorite kind of promos or segments with Batista was when he was in that kind of like friendly feud with Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. Um, especially mm. the one where he stole his lunch. <laughs> it's one of my favourite moments because it's like Dave was trying his best not to crack up and Eddie's just acting up going, what are you, what are you eating my lunch? What are you doing? Well, I can, I can, I can, refer I can reference one of the, one of my personally most favourite things about Batista. Go on. Do you guys know what what one of Batista's hobbies is? Oh, is yes, I was going to talk about his unusually sized uh, collection of lunchboxes. Yeah, he collects lunchboxes. <laughs> okay. As in, like, 
branded lunchboxes from when they were a really big thing. Oh, yeah. so, so when you were there and you are like, you stole Eddie Guerrero's lunch, I reckon you just saw the lunchbox Eddie Guerrero had and was like, hey, <laughs> that. <laughs> and people thought, I, I don't know the meme is that Batista has a very big lunchbox, but no, I know he's got a very large <laughs> collection of lunchboxes as well. Hey, uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, one of my other favourite kind of moments of his is when he was douchebag Batista uh, in around 2010, uh, yeah, t- 2009, 2010, when he was on Raw with John Cena and he would come in wearing like uh, Ralph Lauren polos with the, with the collar up. Uh, like mm. Gucci sunglasses, uh, boot cut oh, jeans, was, and Timbo. I was gonna say, was 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 this the time when Batista used to come out in the boot cuts with the Tims? <laughs> yes, <laughs> just utter perfection. I just, lo- I don't, I don't care. I loved douchebag Batista because he was having great promo work with John Cena, and it was just like, you know what? I hate that you're a douchebag, but I can't stop loving you because you're too damn good, Batista. <laughs> He's such a he's such a weird he's such a he's a very singular performer when it comes to promos. <laughs> I don't know what it is, and it's like and it's actually like something that I think when he like he he you know as we we we'll, we will discuss it, but it's like he went did movies, learned acting, and came back. And you know what was funny when I like when we found out that he was coming back. I was like, you know, this is going to be very interesting because it's like, Dave Batista is a weird-ass promo guy. <laughs> so when he comes by, I wonder if he's going to be, like, like proper. I was expecting, like, a real damn good, like, Oscar performance, frankly, especially compared to, like, other people who are professional actors. You know, they are. Mm. But I was expecting that. And instead, I think I watched it and I'm like, Oh god, he's even weirder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean watching him watching him just scream give me what I want <laughs> and actually like drooling. Yeah, well I think I think the problem was though is that he was working with different writing than he was used to. <laughs> yes. I know, but I mean like it's such a moment where I'm like how is this working? This is insane. <laughs> I, just, I, I, I don't know, Rian. I haven't got an answer for that. So, <laughs> I, 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 moving subject though. Um, I want to talk about a rivalry because I know we're all going to bring up the rivalry that I think Batista kind of definitely uh, made stamped his uh, mark and legacy and legend <laughs> status with. But I want to talk about a very underrated rivalry. With King Booker, mm. yeah, yeah, this yeah. was how th- I mean this. This is the rivalry that made uh, Booker a six-time world champion. If um, I may, if I may, Pokédex for a quick. Second. Oh yes, yes, yes. King Booker. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who do not know, King Booker is quite simple. Booker T, the preliminary favorite of yours truly. <laughs> One king of the ring. <laughs> and then this decided to run with it by becoming King Booker. <laughs> Fun fact, Baron Corbin still running with it two years after the fact. <laughs> oh god he is, ain't he? Now oh, can I god. can I can I say, was he trying to go Booker for an English accent or a cliched African accent? Both. 
both. Yeah. <laughs> I I, I want to say in general, I think he was going for like I'm actually gonna say he went for a London. It doesn't action. change though that the best book T voice is you know what you want with this Black Snow. Yes, Black <laughs> Snow is the best voice he'll ever have. But I'm going. I am diverting. Yeah. Why? No, I just I had to make sure that everyone that we made that clear. Everyone has to understand the greatness that was King Booker. Yes, and he had really good kind of couple of matches with him, and then ended up with Booker winning the world title. I think one thing that we can say for certain is that Batista has had to work with some interesting rivals uh, during oh, his tenure as world heavyweight champion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark Henry, Finley, Bobby Lashley, Mr. Kennedy, Rey Mysterio. I mean, Great Carly. The man had to have a match with Great Carly. <laughs> Remember, the, the, the thing is, Remember people, I know, I know the Rey Mysterio one. Don't have grudges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as I say, the one with Rey Mysterio is, I know it's one that seems a bit weird, but actually they kind of played it out pretty well. I think it gave us one of my best, well, I think, quite honestly, one of my favourite Batista moments ever. It's when he's got Rey in a chokehold and screaming, Because I'm supposed to be my friend! Yeah. <laughs> Just. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Guys, favorite rivalries and matches uh, of Batista's. Yeah, I mean, so I, I've done my, I've done my favorite match, and honestly, I think overall my favorite Batista moment is probably just that segment with Triple H and Ric Flair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just because of what it, you know, what it was overall. Although I think if, I think because I know what I'm, I know what I'm going to say for my other favorite match they think it's going to be the same one Raiden's going to mention hmm. but it gives me an opportunity to talk about the one it gives me an opportunity to talk about the one Wrestlemania I used to have on DVD as a kid <laughs> you, you know what I will be nice you mention it then you, you, you <laughs> oh no so I was going to mention a different one which was quite early on in his reign and I was going to talk about when he feuded with JBL Ooh. oh yes when he just came over from uh, when he just came <clears throat> into Smackdown wasn't it yeah, so he'd just been drafted over, and so just after he'd been drafted over, he attacked JBL. And I'm just trying to think about where he was, in, where JBL was in the context of the time. Because I don't... Could this have been before the this match? Would've... This would have been before Cena. No, this would have been after Cena. Oh, this was after Cena. Yeah, it would have been after WrestleMania 21. Uh, JBL oh, would yeah, have lost yeah, the yeah. title to yeah, Cena. Yeah, yeah. So they because they brought JBL in to be like I think he won like a battle royal or something. Yes. Or an elimination match. Yes. Uh and so then all of a sudden Batista just appears and just wipes the floor with him. <laughs> Which if you want to introduce someone to a brand is the best way to do it. Yes. <laughs> uh then they had uh so then they had the match at, oh god, I can't remember what it was called. It was either Great American Bash or just The Bash. It might, uh, it would have been Great American Bash at that point, yeah. Yeah, I think it was still, I think it was still Great American Bash where then JBL got disqualified. <laughs> yes. No, 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 Batista got disqualified by using oh. a chair on JBL. Oh, sorry. yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. My apologies sorry. About that. Um... 
Yeah, and then they had that match at uh, uh, SummerSlam 2005, which was pretty hype. Mm. Uh, mm. Just a, a no holds barred match. There's no DQ match. There's no distinction anymore. Uh, yeah, where they just beat the living pish out of each other. <laughs> uh, and so, if you're talking about absolute, if you're talking about unintentional hardcore rivalries, I think Batista versus JBL is probably one up there. I mean, because I that, can't that, imagine that JBL ever decided I'm not going to go stiff on this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a. He looks at Batista and like I have to go stiff. I like going stiff, but I have to go stiff. <laughs> I know it also had, I believe, a scrap match, but I can't remember it at all. So, no, I remember they had it, but I don't remember anything yeah. about it. Same, same. Uh, Reardon, it all comes to this one because it's also one of my favorite mo- uh, rivalries and matches with him. The floor nah. is yours, so, so nah, yeah. nah, you know what? You know what? I want you to start it off now. I want you to all start right, it off. Then, let's talk off. about possibly one of his one of his greatest rivalries uh, that he ever had, and possibly one of his best matches he ever had with The Undertaker. Oh, man. So, I mean, on paper, you'd think, uh, maybe these guys won't mesh very well together, considering one's a powerhouse, one's, you know, the, the aging, uh, the aging dead man who's somehow miraculously still wrestling after all this time. But, um, history proven, uh, proved that, uh, that was kind of wrong because they ended up having a fantastic rivalry. Yeah. Um, now this was oh when when was WrestleMania twenty three? This would have been two thousand and seven, uh, I believe so. I believe so. So this was uh, Undertaker had just won the Royal Rumble at this point. If I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and uh, yes, of course, he did. Do you remember the promo of the Raw after they had Lashley, Cena, and Batista all in the ring, and Undertaker was eyeing them down, and then he just gazes upon Batista. And Batista, not shaken one bit, just lifts his title and goes, oh, you're coming for me? Yeah, well, good luck. This is what I like, is that Batista's character never faltered to the mind games of Taker. So this kind of sold him as a a relentless animal who would not be intimidated, nor would he ever be kind of his mind. Yeah, like you can't can't scare him. Which, to be fair, probably makes sense to why he beat Triple H. Absolutely. As well, they they, they never they never mentioned that point, but it's probably a good it probably be a good thing to mention about it. Indeed, indeed. Um, but yeah, it's 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 amazing to me how they managed to book that, but also keep it a very long term thing for Batista as being this kind of unflappable, if you will, <laughs> uh, uh, unflappable person that will steamroll through anyone that is put in front of him. But I mean, Vince. Long-term booking a wrestler? <laughs> I mean, I think I think the thing is though is that there's there's a lot of merit in that because a lot of the a lot of uh, Undertaker's matches come from that thing of like wrestlers just not being able to shake it. Yeah, yeah. It's so a I real think having, I think or... having that really works, and just having a person who is just like, no, I am too committed to. It's like, um, oh. I'm trying to remember who did it. I think it was in AEW, but it was it was they were doing a tag match, mm. and like someone had interfered in the match, so then their partner just kept hitting them yes. and didn't mm. realize that their partner had been tagged because <laughs> <laughs> they were just so worked up at the fact that the part that the the person had interfered 
So I think there's a lot of merit in it. Yeah, for sure. And I think it really it it worked for this build up. I mean, I know a lot of people, you know, would you know talk about more of Undertaker's other matches, but I think this stands on its own as one of one of Taker's better WrestleMania matches. One of the more interesting ones going into Mania for sure. I think oh, the, yeah. the biggest shame about this is that this was the fifth match on the card. Um, and and was and you know it was going on before the ECW versus New Breed match. The fact that 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 is just like what because <laughs> I know because I know like sometimes companies do the whole thing where they'll have a really big match as the first one on the card because mm. yeah, you want to get people in popped. to watch it, right? But having that before ECW versus New Breed was an interesting choice. In all honesty, though, I think it stands on its own as the best match of of Mania twenty three. And um... yeah, no, I mean, I mean, to be honest, there's not really a whole lot of competition. <laughs> um, the only real competition is John Cena versus Shawn Michaels. It's true, very true. Uh, that match should have gone on um, second to last. I feel that Taker Batista should have gone. And on. my, uh, and my, I mean to be honest, my my sleeper match for WrestleMania 23 is the Money in the Bank match at yeah. the start. So, mm. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah. oh, and the one, and the one, and the one between Redacted and MVP, but that's you know, <laughs> we can't mention that one. Yeah. But yeah, Weirden, I'm interested to get your thoughts on the Batista Taker rivalry. It's really interesting because um, I I always have to think back a bit of what it was like when I was a kid. I really do. Especially that one of all things where it really did feel like just two absolute monsters were going at it. And this was the first time actually he like Batista was the first opponent for the Undertaker I saw that wasn't scared of the Undertaker. That was the big thing. Yeah, a guy who actually was like, no, no, I'm not having this. You're just a, <laughs> you're just a man, and I put men through steel steps. <laughs> so this is how this is going to go down. It's just it's ridiculous, quite frankly. <laughs> How much, how aggro Batista is and was from day dot when it comes to fighting The Undertaker. <laughs> so The Undertaker actually has to play it smart. And a little, a slight shout out actually to another Batista Undertaker match, only the triple threat of Batista, Undertaker, and Edge. Oh, yes. Mm hmm. Ooh, that no, that was a good match. That was a very good match, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because all three of them were basically at the peak of their powers at that oh, moment. Oh, abso-frigging-lutely, were they? I mean, I know we've said it already on this pod, or on, on this episode, I should say. Um, but goodness, yeah, you know, when you put two of the biggest stars on SmackDown in that match... You knew it was mm. going to be good, and I think they yeah. really deli- they delivered on that promise. I think as well. Oh, definitely. Oh, um, yeah. And, and they would, and they continued to do that. I, I think they really worked well together. If you mm. ask me, they ended up, of course, a couple of. I think it was a couple of um, pay per views after that. Actually, no, I think it might have been 
think Backlash might have been the pay-per-view after Mania. They had that last stand, uh, last man standing match that ended in a draw, which I enjoyed. That was a really good match as well. But just, yeah, they mm. always seem to work really well together. Like, they, they ended do. up having... I remember they ended up having a rivalry around 09, uh, 2010. Yes. Um, as well, around Raw, when... I, was he... Was he World Heavyweight Champion at that time? Uh, he, when was it? I, might have been 09. <laughs> Uh, it was 09-10, I believe. Yeah, because I know he had a didn't he didn't he have a match with Taker? He had a match with Taker in uh, at TLC. In, yeah. Uh, yes, I can't remember the stipulation of it, but he had a match then with Taker, and they still they still know how to tear it up. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's just I feel that that's the rivalry that really kind of cemented his legend status. I think Batista. Yeah. Um, and then of course, leading up to when he uh, left for the first time in WWE, he ended up having that that rivalry with with Cena. I guess the two icons yeah. of, of the era of both of their respective mm. brands uh, going yeah, up in a, for the first time. Yeah. I think they in a rivalry in, in a rivalry capacity. Anyway, a feud capacity. Yeah, no, it was. They were going it, up I think it Because I know they had like a like a uh, a brand versus brand match on at SummerSlam where Batista won, but this was kind of like the first time they had a rivalry. And if I remember rightly, this ended with Batista in a wheelchair uh, saying that he would not go up against Cena because he was he, he had a legit leg in- injury. And Bret Hart kind of uh, said that he had to have the match and then he quit. And that was kind of like mm. the last we saw of Batista in WWE mm. for quite a while. Now... It depends on what source you go with on that one, but um, the general consensus from a lot of people, and from a kind of I think what the what Batista has said in interviews, the reason he left the first time is that he just wasn't liking where the PG era was going, because he was much a yeah, person yeah. who very much the uh, preferred the old school kind of like violent brutality. He, uh, you know, he was yeah. very much a proponent for hard way bleeding as well. As a matter of fact, he got fined for bleeding hard way during the PG yeah, in a did. cage match with Jericho. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I can... fact about that. Do you know that the cameraman also got fined yes. and the ref? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. To be honest, I, I completely understand specifically for Batista, where he was coming from. I, the PG era is something we probably have to we probably have to like. Yeah, actually, we'll probably do something about because it is a very it. interesting beast. The PG era, yeah, it really is. But he was just like Batista was made to be ruthless aggression. Oh yeah, absolutely. no, I don't Full think on. anything else would have really suited them. Yeah, <laughs> so for him to for him to leave with the changing of the guard, changing times. To be honest, I think he got out at the right time. Mm, indeed. So, what would happen? What would Dave do in that time between 2010 and 2013? Well, I'm glad I asked Sam because I'm going to tell you. Uh, <laughs> Dave ended up having a very short stint uh, as a mixed martial artist. As a matter of fact, he only had one match and won yep. that match against a guy named Vince Lucero. Who, if you've not if you've not seen the match. Um, Well, Vince Lucero was a very old, overweight kind of dude, and Batista kind of... Batista. Batista was Batista (laughs) and won by TKO in the first round. Um, But Dave was not happy about that, because you could tell he was very pissed that it ended in a TKO. 
<laughs> so that was his one and only foray into mixed martial arts, even though he really wanted to make it kind of like his his kind of his new passion. I think the only the shame the shame about it was just like with wrestling, he kind of started a bit too late when he was a bit yeah. too old. He well, was in his late thirties, maybe even his early forties at this point. He was true. early forties at the time. Yeah, fun fact, actually, and this is what fun fact slash question. I know that Batista was actually a grandpa while wrestling, but yes. I can't remember like at what point he was. This might have been. I want to say this might have been during uh, his late stint and Raw, his rivalry with Triple H. Yeah, um, that's one I probably would have put it. <laughs> um, but don't quote me on that. Everyone. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's. It's, I think that's the one thing you can take away from Batista, I guess, is that it's just a shame that he didn't start earlier. Because yeah. I think I think a lot of people would not rag on him as much if he started when he was 24. No, yeah. no, no, no. Um, if he had like a proper rookie season, that would have been that would have been very interesting to see. <laughs> What I mean, I would have loved to have seen a twenty-five-year-old Deacon Batista. Maybe he would have gone over with the with the uh, the shirt with the sleeveless uh, blazer. No, <laughs> maybe just maybe. <laughs> um. So, so yeah, he came back in twenty thirteen in December twenty thirteen. Of course, um, mm-hmm. they of course they hyped that all the way the heck up. You know, after doing well, becoming a star in Hollywood. Um, became quite a notable star in Hollywood. He ended up just b- before that. He ended up being in. I'm going to say this. <laughs> he ended up being in House of the Rising Sun, The Scorpion King Free, <laughs> The Man with the Iron Fists. Which, by the way, good, really good film. Great directorial debut by the RZA, if you ask me. I've heard mixed things. I, I should probably check it out. It's not as bad as people say it is. It's not. It's not great, but it's not bad either <laughs> and of course i guess his breakout uh role in riddick <laughs> he thought i was gonna bring up the other one though but he was in riddick and then of course oh, well, i'll be honest like the big breakout role was of course guardians of the galaxy is drax the destroyer just oh man <laughs> i don't uh this is a side thing do you know the fun fact batista made an appearance on neighbors once yes he did i did remember he? that yep he played himself, but he was on Neighbours. So I think this that's... might have been during the Australian tour that they had. Probably. I know it was in like, it might have been 2009-10. Yeah, around that time, uh, for sure. But of course, as I said, yeah, he came back to a lot of fanfare. Um, but I feel with this run, it was the, it was the, uh, it was wrong timing because. Oh my god! Because holy hell! Even though they had him betrayed as a face, if he had done it the year earlier, I think he would have been received a lot better. But because we were right yeah. in the midst of Daniel Bryan's yes movement, there was no way, even for yeah. Batista, there was that no he was going to be over. There was no way anyone was going to be like, okay, yes, we're happy with this. Even for, <laughs> even Batista said it was a bad decision to bring me back as a face <laughs> during this time. Yeah. Yeah, but you know no, what? He... He, he knew what you were saying. You know do. what? He did end up having a great match with Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. So, you know, all the more power to him. Um, this, started, this started the Bootista chance. Oh, God, yes. Which then ended up morphing into Blue Teaster when they reformed <laughs> Evolution. 
what was we? You know what was weird in that time, like from WrestleMania up until he left. Do you remember he went from being bald to have this weird kind of fate of like peach fuzz on his head and a beard? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I do and then he did the Queen's fun. curtsy and wave when he left for the second time. <laughs> I mean, all right, not much is, can be said about this time, the return, because it was very short. And it was very sweet. Um, and, and, you know, the one thing, I guess the one redeeming quality of this was he won the Rumble and he ended up having a good main event. But as I said, this was the wrong time for Batista to return. Yeah. However, he did, they did manage to change it up. Like, okay, you can go heal. And Batista was like, thank you. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, best decision they made. Best decision yeah. they made. Um, he would then end up going back to Hollywood and but real talk because I, I was going to probably bring this up at the end but no I'm going to bring it back now before we get on to the final part of his, his second return this mm. man has had such a good near fantastic career in Hollywood <laughs> oh, yeah because I, he's done but this is the thing right he's done what other wrestlers haven't done which is he's gone to Hollywood and gone I want to be an actor and not, <laughs> I'm a wrestler that does acting. Yeah, yeah. He is the he is like the greatest actor. He is the greatest wrestler turned actor in history. Like he is, is, he is the best wrestler turned actor because he actually became an actor. Yeah, yeah. because he actively <laughs> said, "I need to train and learn how to do this," and then he did it. And then was really good. He uh, he honestly for me, alongside Carl Urban, is probably one of the greatest genre actors in Hollywood right now. He, he is he, he yeah. You could make a serious serious argument about that, and I don't like. I I wouldn't be able to like. I I might disagree, but I wouldn't be able to make an argument against it. So after this, he's next kind of probably the biggest role of that time straight after he'd left he ended up playing of course the henchman mr hinks inspector yeah um did. Oh, such a good role and i love the fact that his one and only line in that film was shit <laughs> before being Dude, you get you get the one <laughs> you gotta use it yeah. i'm like okay so i haven't seen spectre because i i have God, like if we ever do like if we ever do extra extra podcasts we can probably <laughs> talk about james bond and my very complicated feelings towards it but i but the moment they said that yeah he's gonna be the main henchman i was like well he's gonna nail it ain't he <laughs> and he sure as hell nailed it like in a film oh, that yeah. has daniel craig uh uh rafe fines flipping christoph waltz he stands yeah. on he stands on his own and he stands amongst them as one of the best actors. I think in that I think film. the important one of the important things about it is uh, having watched Spectre is the is the element of watching it and going, Oh shit, that's Batista. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Oh, you know what? Actually this isn't out of place, you know. Yeah. Can I just say I I know that like yes, he is an actor and you know, like he's he's doing his stuff. But He's got to start Batista bombing people. Yes, I was uh, it is ins it is insane that that hasn't happened in the Guardians of the Galaxy yet, and I hope Drag for free Batista bomb someone. He has to yes. surely. I, 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 really I just hope. Want... So. 
I really, it'll happen. Really so. Maybe it happened in one of the random like Amazon movies that he did recently. Yes. Maybe. You know what? That's actually something I generally want. If you're listening to this, at us, at Sweet Chinwag. <laughs> yo, yo. <laughs> imagine, imagine, imagine he's in Doom and he fucking Batista bombs someone. Right, at Sweet Chinwag, at Batista at the same time, and ask him if he's going to Batista bomb someone in Doom. Like he'd like. If he does that, then it is officially the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> after that, man, what a resume this guy picks up after Spectre. Guardians 2 as Drax. Blade Runner 2049 as She Sam is amazing Morton. in, I should say. Just amazing in that he movie. Is oh my God. Out- Even though he's too <laughs> short, he is outstanding in that film. Literally makes... Literally makes- literally says the theme in his one big moment and makes it work he actually is like actually pivotal in pivotal in that movie mm-hmm. uh, so good of course then goes up and stars in the biggest highest grossing film of all time infinity war mm-hmm. um, and endgame endgame which i think actually made it yeah um and then of course dune i mean James Bond, Blade Runner, Guardians, Avengers, Dune. That man has better resume than Dwayne Johnson. I'm I'm calling it now. That no, man he has better resume. He, does. he is legitimately a better actor than Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson has made more money. Yes. But but if we if we're talking in terms of actual like acting, it's not even a contest. Dave goes levels beyond. Yeah. Like, I'm so excited to watch. I mean, I, me and Reardon have talked off podcast, uh, as well as Dan. I am so excited for watching Dune uh, uh, soon, I should say. Oh, no. I'll be joining. I'll make my way out to Kent to watch it. I, I'm, hoping I still ha- I'm hoping that they'll still have the leaflet or the piece of paper telling you what everything is in the world. <laughs> Can <laughs> I go to see it? Because if it ain't got that piece no, of trust paper, me, people need it. It's a cop out. <laughs> I can't. I can't wait to be utterly confused and baffled <laughs> by that movie. Oh, and by the way, we need to know if you Batista bomb Dave in that film. Please, Please do reply to us. We'll be at, at, at Sweet Chinwags, Dave. At Sweet Chinwags, <laughs> do you Batista bomb? And if not, can you? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they can do reshoots. <laughs> Just sure reshoot it. <laughs> it will take you. No, it won't take you. It will take you an hour of your time. Oh, all right then. Let, let's uh, head on to his second return and eventual retirement in 2018-2019. Of course, Batista mm. uh, comes back, um, beating up Ric Flair and saying, oh, "Do I have your attention now, Hunter?" Huh? Um, and then, of course, comes the famous "Give me what I want" promo. <laughs> and then WrestleMania 35 leads to that Triple H uh, Batista match, which was which was okay. I mean, I think one of the funniest spots was when Triple H got a pair of pliers and was trying to take out Batista's nose ring. Yep. <laughs> uh... Which is nasty. Can I just ask a... I, like, I genuinely... I, I was an okay, a, a pretty standard okay feud. <laughs> but can I just ask a question? Mm-hmm. Why did Batista do it? Because they needed to, they needed to have a heel, and Triple H was going to be the face. 
which makes no freaking sense. I okay. The storyline going into it was that Batista thought Triple H was holding him down in Evolution, despite the fact that, you know, in 2005, he stood up to Triple H and actually superseded him and then became champion and ended up going in SmackDown and having a very successful career. I don't know. this Again, it's that thing of Vince not wanting a, a, a face versus face or a heel versus heel. Yeah, because it's like... I'm like, I like this, but this makes no sense. I don't know why he did it. <laughs> he, he called Ric Flair he got, like his father figure. and like, he, But he beats he got, Ric Flair. He, he got his revenge a decade ago. A exactly. decade and change ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Um, but yeah, he would then, of course, have that match and then uh, officially retire from wrestling in 2019. Um... And so we end it stamp with the standpoint that Batista was to be inducted into the 2020 Hall of Fame class, but of course, 2020 happened. Um, so, which is a shame because you know I think, I I mean when it when it eventually does come back and we get to see him in the same class as Jushin Liger, may I add? Wow, that's that's impressive. <laughs> um, <laughs> Being with a big crowd of uh, uh, being a big crowd and have a massive applause because I think Batista definitely deserves being in the Hall of Fame uh, as one of the best big, big McLarge huge wrestlers that WWE has ever had. He does. I does. We deserve to hear that fireworks go off one more time. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, fine. I I I want to end this on final words. Your, if you were to give Batista a sentence as to. I guess why how, you're in your defense of Batista in one sentence. What would it be? Because <clears throat> I know a lot of people attribute to him as not as being just as bad as John Cena. But the only reason why people don't um, shit on him is because he was tucked away on SmackDown. But I take a little bit of umbrage to that. Nah, I, I no, disagree. No, I, 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 I mean, I think at the time he was he was rightfully dominant. Mm. And I think I think the important thing for people to remember is that there was a big section of time where he was constantly losing title matches. Yes, you know, in like uh, post say post two thousand six. Mm. You know, I think the only one he picked up in that time in like two thousand six to two thousand and eight. Um, I think the only one he ever. I'm just trying to think what the only one he ever got was. I think it was after he beat Carly. Yeah. And I think at that time he was tag team champions with Mysterio around that time as well, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong. So yeah. he was a, he definitely wasn't, you know, up top on the mountain constantly going do, do, yeah. do. I, the, yeah, the difference between Batista and Cena is that it's like it's the same reason, and I can't believe I'm making this analogy, but it will make sense. I promise you. <laughs> Is the difference between why people prefer Donald Duck to Mickey Mouse? <laughs> I know that sounds so weird, but when you think Go about on. it, two seconds. No. So here's the thing about Donald Duck, right? <laughs> I can't believe this. No, but this will make sense. The thing about Donald Duck is that why people enjoy him is because, frankly, he is has a personality. He's not as attached. Like, Batista was never as attached as the brand of WWE that Cena always was. Mm. He never had that real moment, which gave him a real flexibility. I'd actually say that would be the two words I would say is 
unexpected and flexibility for Batista. Because for a guy his size and his moveset, he actually works in a, a wide around a wide array of circumstances, much more than I would say Cena even. You know what? Cena, I, think I mean, hmm. yeah, I think I think everything you said there's pretty. Yeah, I, I, I can believe all that. Yeah, no, and I think that's the. I think that's what people who. I think that's what people who count um, Batista out miss is that he can. Is that for a guy, and especially of how late in the game he was, mm. he really could do a lot and did a lot. Yeah. No, I, you know what? That is, if you ask me, the perfect full stop to the end of this episode. If you ask hey. me. So, hey. that was all of our episode, our episode, I should say, uh, on Batista. Thoughts and feelings at the end of this, because my thoughts are pretty much still the same. Batista was bloody Enjoyable. good. Yeah, Batista was fucking sick. <laughs> honestly, honestly, like I can't believe we didn't we didn't mention it because I don't think it has to be mentioned. But um, um, that 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 theme is straight fire. And <laughs> oh, it is always. I listen. Always I listen to that theme on the regular. Don't worry about it. I mean, Just... I'm pretty sure me, you, and. Uh, and Xavier Woods listened to it on a daily basis. Yes. Just, and uh, I can't, I cannot wait to see you in Guardians Three. It's been too damn long. It has been too damn long. Um, I, I shall look forward to you donning Drax once again, Dave. If, if of course we actually get the, ch- if he actually ever listens to this, which by the way, hi, <laughs> happy hey, birthday, hey Dave. <laughs> happy birthday, Dave. It depends if we get blocked after I send the tweet. <laughs> That's not true. Anyway, Dan, would you like to tell us what episode's coming up next? Yes, the next episode coming up. uh, uh, Expect Batista to appear in this one again. Uh, (laughs) This is going to be maybe a controversial one, uh, but this is going to be, it's an opinion one, and it is the best worst finishers. Ooh. Ooh. God, oh, this heaven. is going to be the one that splits the entire listener base in half, isn't it? This, yeah. this is the one where we all end up in a fight, isn't it? <laughs> it probably is going to be. Non kayfabe, of course. And kayfabe, if you play your cards right. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that We're going to be sending each other video promos on Twitter. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Oh, God. Don't, want, that... don't, don't open that. Don't open Pandora's box, you guys. <laughs> Don't no. you do it. Oh, that I don't good. want that to happen, please. <laughs> that was the best worst finishes. It's gonna yes. be it's gonna be spicy. Oh, it's mm. going to be a hot take for sure. But until then, I have been Sam. This has been Reard and Dan, and you have been listening to the Sweet Chinwag podcast. We will see you on the next one. Bye everybody! Yeah! <laughs> 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 <laughs>